going to go back a long ways. I love teaching this. We're going to go to Ezekiel to start with. So if you found that, you may want to hang out there for a minute. But I titled today's lesson, Don't Underestimate Praise and Worship. Because it's effective and it's very important. So last week we talked about the value of praise and worship. And that most people don't understand its importance in our individual lives and in the corporate praise and worship in the congregation because we read some scriptures, I think, maybe it was uh, Psalms 150, where it talks about in the congregation. And it's just as important in the congregation, the corporate praise. But we're going to go back because I haven't taught this part, I don't think, in a while. And we, we probably have some new ones that need some history of praise and worship. So let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 28, and I'm going to start in verse 11. Now this, uh, this is a word from the Lord to Ezekiel, okay? Moreover, and this is Ezekiel talking here. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, in other words, Ezekiel, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, now when you do some in-depth studying on this, you know that, well, I'll cover that here in just a minute, that this is a word from him. And in these scriptures we're about to read, you're going to need to realize that Ezekiel is describing Satan, who was the true king of Tyre. And the king of Tyre was, uh, Satan was the one that was motivating him the king of Tyre, and so he's actually talking about Satan here because he was the motivator of all the mean things and things that king of Tyre did. So he says, take up a a lamentation upon the king of Tyre and say unto him, thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now you can see when we start reading here that he is talking about Lucifer, okay? Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, talking about Satan, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. Now here's where he's describing Lucifer. Okay? He was in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, and the diamond the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire. And it goes on to mention all of these. And it goes on down and says, The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. So he's describing Lucifer here at that time. And he says, he, see, he was the leader. He was a worship, He was the praise leader. He was in charge of praise. And he talks about that here. He says, the workmanship of the tablets and, and the pipes were prepared in thee. That was given to him by God. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast up on the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect. In thy ways from the day that thou was created until iniquity was found in you, Lucifer. 
By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as a profane out as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. Can you see who he's talking about here by reading all of this? I will lay thee before kings and they may, that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thy iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee. And I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all men, all them that behold thee. As Ken, Brother Kenneth Hagin, the elder man, used to call him, Old Zero. He, he, that's what he would refer to him. He said, that, that's Old Zero. He, I mean, God destroyed him. He's just ashes. Anyway, then in verse 19... All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. Never shalt thou be any more. He is no more a terror to you. Hallelujah. He's nothing to be afraid of. God destroyed him. He's defeated. He is nothing. He's old zero. Praise God. So... Now, I want to read part of that message, and I read part of it to, to Wes a while ago, out of the uh, Message Bible. It says, God's message came to me. This was Ezekiel talking. Son of man, raise a funeral song over the king of Tyre, Satan. Tell him a message from God, the master. You had everything going for you. You were in Eden. God's garden, you were dressed in splendor, your robes studded with jewels, uh, peridot and moonstone, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emeralds. I mean, that was some kind of robe, wasn't it? All in setting of gold. He got prideful, didn't he? A robe was prepared for you the same day you were created. You were the anointed cherub. I placed you on the mountain of God. You strolled in magnificence among stones of fire. From the day of your creation, you were sheer perfection. And then, imperfection, evil, was detected in you. I guess he had a will, didn't he? He wanted to be above God. He got very prideful. He says, I throw, I throw you disgraced off the mountain of God. I, throw, I threw you out. You, the anointed cherubim of God, no more strolling among the gems of fire for you. you your beauty went to your head. You corrupted wisdom. And I threw you to the ground. That is really some description, really, of who he used to be. And he was the minister. He was in charge of all those 
uh, instruments and music and all of that. Can you understand why Satan hates praise and worship? He knows what praise and worship will do, and he was stripped of that. He's very jealous. Amen? So Lucifer was ruler over praise and worship. That was his ministry. And in verse 13 of King James, it mentions that the workmanship of tabrets and the pipes were in him. The tabrets was musical instruments. They were musical instruments. And they play such a big part in our praise and worship, our, especially our corporate praise and worship. And those of you that can play an instrument, oh, that must be one of the greatest blessings to play an instrument for God. Okay, so there's been a great resistance to biblical praise and worship. And we've allowed Satan to steal this from the church down through the years. There'd be different uh, people in the Old Testament that would come in and they would establish their idols. And then people would go that direction. And then another king or somebody would come in and they would establish a praise and worship. And then the people would follow that. People are followers. But praise God, we're in the last days. And we're following the biblical, biblical way of praise and worship. And, and we're not going to underestimate the power that's in praise and worship. Because it's going to be manifest in these last days. And I'm telling you, it's coming. And we're already seeing it in some ways. But it's going to get stronger and stronger as we, you and I, begin to to worship the biblical way, okay? So that resistance is, is being broken down to praise and worship. It, it's being understood. And it needs to be taught, the importance of it. Because people just think it's just normal. It's just a part of the service. Well, yeah, but why? But why? So I believe in these last days that we're going to hear more teaching on it and encourage people to do biblical praise. And, you know, it's okay at ball games to shout and to holler and be loud and to jump up and clap your hands. But somehow or another, they think it's not okay to do it in church. And the Bible is full of these instructions to do this. Amen? And I'm one of those at the ball games, you know, that will holler. For my grandson, oh, <laughs> that was so good, Braden. That was great. I loved to watch you dribble that ball. I mean, you can really dribble that ball. You know, and, and we'll stand up and clap our hands and holler, good job, team, good job. Well, good job, worship team, hallelujah. Amen. So, but we're so easy, it's so easy for us to do that. It just comes out of us. But I'm telling you, if we get a hold of praise and worship and the value of it in here and, and let it rise up into here, we'll be doing it. We'll be doing it. Ever how, like I said, you're not going to do it every way that describes it. You'll do it in some way. And I'm believing those that don't sing are going to give voice to praise and worship. Amen. Amen. Because they're silent... You know, we don't, we don't pray silently because there's no power in that. People say, well, I just think my prayers. Well, think them. But there's no power in them until you speak them. They're not released until you speak them, the power. And the same thing is true 
with our praise and our worship. There has to be a voice given to it and spoken. So anyway, let's go to 2 Samuel. That's where I wanted to take you today. And we're going to be doing quite a bit of reading. Uh, but like I said, this is, gives us some history. And I love going back to the book of Samuel on praise and worship. So I'm going to read verse 1. I'm going to give you a chance, to, an opportunity to find Samuel. I, did I not say 6 and 1? Well, why didn't I? I don't know. I'm there. Chapter 6 and verse 1. <clears throat> I'm talking about David here. I'm giving you an opportunity to find it. If you can't find it, go to the front of your Bible and see what page it's on. Mine's on page uh, 413. <laughs> okay. Again, David gathered together all the children, all, I mean, all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. Now, use your imagination. Here, this is not a small crowd. He gathered together 30,000 people. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baali, Baali of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God. Now, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts. Now, you know that the ark of God in these days, that's where the presence of God was. It was in the ark. Okay? And so, he went, at, he went to bring this ark. There was how many? 30,000 men with him. or I'm sure that meant men and women and children and all. But he had instructions on how to bring the presence of God back. Remember, the presence of God dwelt in the ark. And he had specific instructions on how to do this. And we have specific instructions in this Bible, especially in the book of Psalms, of how to bring the presence of God into our services and into our life. Okay? Specific instructions. And, but David didn't do that. He didn't follow those instructions. Okay? So, and they set the ark of God up on a new cart. This is very important. And brought it out of the house of Abinadab. Let me skip on down. And, and it says, And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. Now pay attention to these words. Here it was set up on a cart that was being pulled by oxen. That was not the way God had instructed them to bring the ark. And when you think of ark, think of the presence of God. That was not the instructions that they had to bring the presence of God. Okay? Back to them. And they brought it out of the house of that. Anyway, I've already read that, hadn't I? And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord. On all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps, and on psalteries, and on timbrels, and on cornets, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, for his rashness, the cross-reference says. And there he died by the ark. 
He died right there where the presence of God was. But what happened was he disobeyed. He placed himself in a position to die because of his disobedience. So God didn't just actually strike him down, but his disobedience is what killed him because he didn't follow the instructions of God. And so he died. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him. I've already read that to you. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perezah Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how shall the ark... Okay, we're thinking presence of God that was in the ark. So I'm going to read it like that. So how shall the presence of the Lord come in or come in to me? He's saying, how am I supposed to get it? Right? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David. He left it. He was afraid. But David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gilotite. So he left it at the house of Obed-Edom. He left the presence of God. He left the presence of God. Did you get that? So he left, when he left there, he did not have the presence of God to take to the people. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Why? Because God's presence was with them. God's presence was with them. And wherever God's presence is, there's blessings. And so they were being blessed simply because God's presence was there in that ark. Okay, and it was told King David. Well, somebody went and told King David, you know what? Obed-Edom is really being blessed. I mean, the blessings are coming upon them right and left. They just can't do anything. The blessings of God are there. Well, King David just began to kind of think a little bit, you know. Well, we need to think a little bit about the presence of God and how we get the presence of God in our midst. Amen? Let's don't leave it off. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him, because of the ark are the presence of God. So remember, we're not going to underestimate the power of the presence of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. You know, so how did he bring it back this time? Did he bring it back the way God said? How were they supposed to bring it back? How were they supposed to transfer? They were across their shoulders. They would have these long poles and everything, and they were to carry it across their shoulders. That's, that was the way they were supposed to bring the presence of God. Okay. And it was so that when they bear the ark of the Lord had gone Let's see, they had gone six paces. He sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord. Oh, you're kidding me. Really? A man? And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. 
So David, I, I love this story. I'm telling you, I just love this. Thank you, Lord, for having me go back over it. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark or the presence of God with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Suddenly they realized what they had left behind. They had left the presence of God out of their life. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, oh, I love this, Micah, Saul's daughter, looked through a window. And she saw King David. This was also uh, he, his wife, okay, but was the daughter of Saul. And saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. She did not like the way he was praising God. Oh, really? You may not like the way I praise God, but I'm going to praise God. And a lot of people don't like the way we praise and worship, which is biblical. But they're shutting themselves out from the presence of God. Because that's what he inhabits. We've got to get hold of that. He inhabits the praises coming out of your mouth. Amen. And they brought in the Ark of the Covenant, or the presence of the Lord, rather, and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he dwelt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well to the women as men. Well, all these people that, you know, are against women ministers and women this and women that. God loves women. He created us. Amen. Because man needed us. Amen. As well as to the women as men. And everyone uh, a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and flagon of wine. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David. Now, his wife was watching all of this from a window. She was a peeping Tom. Amen. Then David. You know what? I bet she wasn't silent either. I bet her mouth was moving. Use your imagination in some of this. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David. Oh, here she comes. Here he comes. And here she is so angry and so jealous and so mad. She run out of that house and she thought, mm -hmm, I'm going to get you right out here. Right in front of everybody. And Saul came out to meet, let's see, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, Oh, how glorious was the king of Israel today. I can just hear her saying that, just tauntingly. Oh, you were so glorious today out there dancing and shouting and singing before all of these people. Anyway, how glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself. Remember, he was in a linen ephod who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. He wasn't naked. That's not what they went. But he had taken off, I guess, those kingly robes and stuff and was as dancing before God. He was humbling himself. 
And David I love this too. And David said unto Michael, it was before the Lord, not before all these handmaids. So when we've got to get a hold of that statement. When you praise God, regardless of who is sitting next to you, you're doing it to God, not to them. And that's what he was telling her. I wasn't doing this before uh, these handmaidens. I was doing this before God. And that's where our praise and worship goes. It's to God and to his presence. And so don't be embarrassed when you begin to raise your hands or you clap your hands or you sing out loud or, or whatever ways that we discover in the book of Psalms, the ways of worshiping God. And I know I'm an embarrassment sometimes to some people, but I'm not singing to them. I'm not shouting to them, and I'm not clapping to them. And I can tell you this as part of my confession, Karen, welcome back there. I'm going to dance again. I'm going to jump up and down again because my legs are full of praise. Amen. And that'll, they're changing. They're changing. We got to get hold of this. Amen. Now, what verse am I in? Y'all have to help me. What? 21? Okay. And David said unto Michael, It was before the Lord which chose me before your father did. <laughs> oh, King Saul. God chose me before you did. And before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the, of the Lord over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord. And I will yet... I love this. Be more vile than this. Boy, he was putting her down in some way, wasn't he? And will be base in mine own sight. And of the, ma the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. She was so afraid of what these women were going to think of him. And he said, I'm going to be in their eyes honorable. They're going to honor him. They're probably going to wish they could dance and praise God like he did. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. She lost, she had no idea of the value of the presence of God. And she became barren. I'm telling you, can your mind just grasp this? The power that's in the presence of Almighty God, the power. That's in praise and worship. I'm telling you, the Bible talks about the miracles and things that we're going to see, but it's going to come as we surrender ourselves to praise and worship God the way the scripture says to. Let that anointing rise up within you. And I think the big part of that is that it'll come easy as we begin to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Start your day just thanking God for all of these things. As it'll start pouring out of you. It'll start pouring out of up here. We have so much to be thankful. And before you know it, you'll, you'll be praising him. How can you keep from praising God when you think of all the blessings that is in your life? And we have said before that praise and worship is not just singing, but it's a singing. We're talking about corporate praise and worship basically, in the church. But it's so important in your everyday life. 
I, I love, I, I play a lot of praise and worship music and, and uh, just let it go. You know, just let it, pro- when I leave the house, normally I'll have that 935 is what it is on my TV, which is uh, gospel music. Why? Because it charges your atmosphere. It charges, Satan hates it. You know, my house can't burn down. It's got the presence of God in it when I leave all that praise and worship going when I leave the house. It's going right now while I'm gone. Playing music. Don't underestimate the power of praise and worship, whether it's coming out of your mouth or whether it's coming out of the TV or the radio. Praise and worship is powerful. I love it. I love it. Praise God. So, notice how David decided to bring the ark back. How he decided to bring God's presence back. It was his way, not God's way. Pause and think about that. God's people need to quit resisting God's way of entering into his presence. And the only reason they, they resist it is because they're not taught. And I'm expecting all of you that's in here today to receive this and start some way if you're not a praiser. First of all, you've got to become a praiser to praise. You know, start confessing that if that's, if that's your first step. Remember, chart your course. Chart your course. Okay, write it down. I'm a, I, I am now a praiser. I am now a worshiper. And let that be your first step. Write it down, read it every day, and start confessing that every day. That's what I do. And I'm going to do it biblically. And like I said, it doesn't have to be all the ways, and, and we may... Uh, read the different ways maybe next week that that you can enter into praise and worship. But there's so many different ways. And I think most people, their first way to do it is to raise their hands. You know, you hear people say, oh, that was the hardest thing for me. I, I would raise my hands about like this. And then maybe a little bit, I, I'd kind of go up a little bit, especially if you're uh, not raised in a denomination that does that. And then they say, then eventually, I could, mine just automatically go up. I don't even think about it. They're just up there. And that's where we want to get to, to where it is a normal thing for us. Because we're a praiser. Amen? So, well, God's bringing his presence back. It's not, it's not in the ark. But it's in our worship and our praise. It's going to be a part of the miracles in these last days. I know it is. I love this scripture. Go to Zephaniah 3. If I can find it here. I think I've got a note in there. Zephaniah is kind of back. It's on page 1115 in my Bible. But it's, before, it's toward the back of the Old Testament. You can go to the end of the Old Testament and start backwards. And, and you'll find it. It's just before Haggai. Okay? Are y'all finding it? Or go to the front of your Bible and get it? <clears throat> this has always meant a lot to me, this scripture. Zephaniah 3.17. Has everybody got it? Okay. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. 
He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. God sings over you. Is that not the most awesome thing? Can we not sing over him and about him? Okay. Well, that word mighty, he says, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Well, he's in our midst today. And that word mighty means powerful, strong, warrior, and champion. So that's what God is in the midst of us. That's his might that's in the midst of us. Excuse me. So this is what the Message Bible says. Your God is present among you, a strong warrior, there, there to save you. If I can read my writing here. Happy to have you back. <clears throat> I'm going to get a drink of my water if y'all excuse me. Put that on pause. Glass of water, Father. See how thankful you are? Thank you for whoever put it out there for me. I appreciate you. Just grateful, thankful. You can just be thankful over anything. Did you put me on pause? Okay. All right. So your God is present among you. Let that sink in. He's a strong warrior there to save you. He's happy to have you back. That really ministered to me out of the Message Bible. He's so happy to have you back. He will calm you with his love and delight you with his songs. That's the message one. Now this is the amplified. The Lord your God is in the midst of you. A mighty one. A savior who saves. He will rejoice over you. With joy. He will rest in silent satisfaction. And in his love. He will be silent and make no mention. Of past sins. Or even recall them. Because they're removed as far as the east is from the west. God doesn't remember your past sins. Isn't that awesome? He will exalt over you with singing. That was amplified. Now then the thing that I liked about this is the Lord in the midst of thee, he will save, he will rejoice over thee. The word rejoice means he will leap and twirl. Over you. Well, guess what God's doing over you today? He's leaping and twirling and singing over you. He doesn't ask us to do anything that he doesn't do. How about that for God? That's my father. Think of, you know, think about your own heavenly, your own earthly father. Or or about your kids. Don't you just... Leap and sing and praise and dance over those kids or with them. Well, God's who put that in you? Who who put that in? You know, it's from God. We we're made in His image. I mean, I act plump silly over my grandkids and great grandkids. You know, I mean, they do something and we can punch that little old player at my house. And this is Jordan Paul. He's just a little over a year old. He'll turn around, he'll look at you, and he'll go. <laughs> just like that. And we clap our hands, and he loves it. We're silly over him. What are we doing? 
We're praising. Praising. But God put that in you. It's in you. Don't stifle it. Amen. Let it loose. Praise God. So, look at Psalms 24 and 6. Be sure and get a hold of that Zephaniah there. Psalms 24. This was so good for me to go back and start studying all of this again. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. I can just see y'all when you get home by yourself. Let it loose. Let it rip. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Psalms 24, verse 6. Okay. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Well, th- lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. And then it says, Selah. Pause and think about that. Notice that something had to be done before the king of glory could be manifest. And then in verse 7, let's look at that. Let me find it. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. So our praises are the opening of the doors. And they're lifting of the gates. Our praises are. So let you and me not be closed doors. And unlifted gates that we walk through as far as praise is. Let's not be that person that has closed doors and unlifted gates. In other words... Uh, that keeps God's presence out. I don't want to ever be known as a person that keeps God's presence out. None of us should be. Our praises are so important where the presence of God is concerned. Just think as far as, as, far as heaven is concerned, there is continual praise and worship. When you get into the book of Revelations... And you begin looking at that. Praise and worship is continual. It it never stops. It never ceases. And my husband and my family and my grandson is in the presence of nothing but praise and worship. Everywhere they go, there's praise and worship. What an atmosphere. Praise God. Well, we could have that kind of atmosphere if we will enter into that praise and worship. And, and heaven is our example. Oh, how glorious that must be to be in that kind of atmosphere that where you just fall down on your knees and worship and praise God. It's just become a, a way of worshiping him. It'll be so normal for us at that particular time. So become a praiser. And as I said earlier, that's something you become before you'll do it, actually. You'll and start confessing that you are a praiser. Let's look at Isaiah 61. Let me find here. And we're going to go, we're going to start in verse 1 through 3. 
Okay. The Spirit of Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good things unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. This is this scripture, of course, this is quoted over in the New Testament also. But this is something I have used. Justin Carmody brought that scripture to my mind when Wade Carrington passed away, when he died. And I've used it since Tom passed away. That Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. That is so important. And when Justin called me, because I was going around saying, and I was having what I said, my heart is broken when, when Wade Carrington was killed. My heart is so broken. I couldn't cry. I, couldn't, I, I cried for days and days, 24 hours a day that I was weeping because of that. But I was saying, my heart is so broken, my heart is so broken, my heart is so broken. And praise God, Justin Carmody called me, and I made that statement to him. I said, Justin, I said, my heart is just broken. All I can do is cry. And he said, Bonnie, Jesus said he has come to heal the brokenhearted. I tell you, that ministered to me. It went straight to my soul. And that's so true. And that it's in the New Testament, but the, it was quoted actually from here. Where Jesus was sent and he came to heal the brokenhearted. So if there's anything in your life that your heart is broken over, just start saying, Jesus, thank you for healing my broken heart. You know, uh, when you lose a loved one, it, it's easy to let that happen. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I say you can control it. You can get a piece that passes your understanding. And you'll think, where did that peace come from? I've got peace. And don't feel guilty because you get peace. Because Jesus said he would give you a peace that passes this up here. And people may wonder why you're, why you're so happy and how you, know, how you can continue on. It's because of God's word that says, I have given you peace. Peace that passes this up here. It's a spiritual thing. Amen. And he can heal that broken heart. If you'll just say what the word says. Anyway, let me go ahead and read this. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, To proclaim liberty to the captives. Look at what he said. What has taken you captive? He says, I have come to set the captives free. Well, then maybe you need to start saying that. Whatever it is that's taking you captive, okay? To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. What has you bound up? To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To confront all that mourn. To Listen to this. This is where we're going. To appoint a point. I didn't do a word study on a point, but I'm, I may do that when I get home. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them, to give is very important there. To give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. And listen to this, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. 
that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. To give unto them is really important. To give, so he has given unto you what he's talking about here. And then he says, a garment of praise. In other words, for you to be clothed with praise. Now then, if, I, if you were to try and put a garment on me, Try and put that on me. I don't want it. See? It's an act of my will. Be sure my collar's straight. <laughs> What's he saying? What's he saying here? You can't, I can't make you. God cannot make you become a praiser. But he's given you a garment of praise. So it is an act of your will whether you will become that praiser. We're to put on the garment of praise. I put it on. You didn't put it on me. I put it on because I wanted it on. And you have to do that in your life. With It has to be an act of your will for you to become a praiser. Don't resist it. Because God has given it to us. Inside of you is a desire to praise and worship. But because of this sitting on your shoulders, you refuse it. You don't want to know, well, I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't, you know, and, and there's so many excuses. And I think I may do a teaching on excuses here before too long. I taught on excuses over at the Freedom House. And uh, I think we need that. Excuses for why I don't do what the Word tells me to do. Excuses. We, we use excuses. I contacted someone last week. And I said, what about so-and-so? This was a, a relative of theirs. I said, uh, I was just checking on them. I said, I've been missing them. Well, they have this on that day and this on that day and this on that day. And, and they're really busy doing blah, 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 defending the person. I, I tell you, I promise you, I, I took the vocabulary of silence. I was very nice. I didn't say anymore. I wanted to say, what about God? What about his one day? What about that? But I didn't. I was very nice. And didn't say that. But you know, it's something for us to think about. Oh man, that excuse, that may, I may have to teach that. Because we, we, we make excuses for ourselves for not being a praiser. Well, you know, so-and-so sitting next to me. Well, I know I embarrass Tom sometimes. <laughs> but, but he loved me. And I don't know if he ever said anything. He never said anything about it. But I know I probably was an embarrassment sometimes. But... He married me. I is what I is. <laughs> you got, I mean, if the love of God's in you, you got to love a person regardless of what they do or what they say. I don't know how I got on all that. Anyway. Okay. So. Put on the garment of praise. 
don't don't be don't stifle it. Start at home if you have to. Start in your own private, you know, domain. You don't have to do it around your husband at first if you're married, but somehow or another, start being who you are. You can write that one down. I are a praiser. I am going to start being who I am. This better teaching than y'all think. <laughs> I'm looking at a praiser over there. <laughs> All right, so we're going to Psalms 150, and I'm getting close to closing, girls. I want to get y'all out of here before the snow comes. <laughs> if it does, it may or it may not. We're in Arkansas, so we never know. Uh, I encourage you to read the book of Psalms because it is so full of praise and worship and instructions for praise and worship. So anyway, read those and, and it will help you. And you know, I'm not trying to condemn anybody or put pressure on anybody that is not a praiser. I'm giving you what the word says. It needs to be taught. It needs to be taught. Because when we don't know you know, the, and Hosea, it says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, I've been in this so many years that it's normal for me to be a praise and worshiper. It's normal for me to do it at home. But it might not, you might not be to the place where I am. I've been doing this for years. But if you'll read the book of Psalms and let the Holy Spirit minister to you, it, it will really help you to become that. And it is such a cleansing for your mind. It relieves pressure. It, you, you'll find yourself, you're replacing thoughts that the enemy would bring. Okay, Psalms 150. I think we read this last week, if I'm not mistaken, but we're going to go over it one more time. He says, praise you the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Okay. So there we see that it's scriptural to praise him in, inside the sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Yeah, we did read this. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. And, you know, um, I know I don't know if the Church of Christ anymore. Were any of you in here raised with Church of Christ? Okay, I don't know if that has changed or not, but I know uh, they don't have musical instruments in their, in their sanctuary, but they haven't read this. They haven't let it sink in because God uses instruments, amen? And it says in the sanctuary, okay? So what I, I just believe that, but they love music. They love music. But they don't, Satan has, has stolen that from them, from using it for God. Amen? So praise him with the trumpet and praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbal. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. And here's where we're going. Let everything that hath breath Praise the Lord. Do y'all have breath? Then what's he saying? He's saying praise the Lord. If you have breath, praise the Lord. Um, I'm, in, I'm getting, trying to close. 
I, but I want to bring this back out in closing. Um, remember we mentioned the missionary last week that had been quarantined because she had smallpox, and this was years and years and years ago, because she had smallpox. And um, anyway, as she was praying, I found some old notes that explained all of this. As she was praying, she told God she needed help. Now, back in those days, ancient of days, <laughs> smallpox was serious business. And I, I mean, you'd be scarred afterwards. That you would have some scars on your body. And she was praying, so she told God she needed help. And this was his instructions to her. And, re and she was quarantined because that's what they did, because it was contagious. And this is what he told her while she was in her quarantine. He told her to begin to praise him for his faithfulness. And then he showed her a vision. I've taught this before, and I forgot this part. He showed her a vision of two baskets. One contained the problem, one contained the smallpox, in other words, whatever that problem would, might be with you. But here was two baskets, and one contained the problem, which happened to be smallpox. And that basket was completely full. It was completely full. Your words, your mind, your mouth was completely full of the problem, is what he was saying. That's all she was seeing was the problem. And the other basket contained her praises. And that basket was only half full. You see the balance here? The problem was bigger than the praise and worship. So the Lord told her the praise basket needed to be filled with praises so it would outweigh the basket with the smallpox. And when the praise basket was full, her healing would be manifest. And so she was quarantined and locked away. So she began to praise every day and night. People thought she had lost her mind. They could hear her. Finally, after her basket was full of heartfelt praises, she walked out of that quarantine room completely healed and without a scar on her body. Praise God. God does not make us worship him. But he tells us and leaves it up to us to do it. People praise. He, he doesn't do the praising for us. We do the praising. And he doesn't make us do it. It's like putting that garment of praise on. So determine in your own life, I'm going to put on the garment of praise. And I'm going to wear that garment unembarrassed I'm going to wear it and and I'm not I'm, I'm just whenever I feel like praising I'm going to praise now I know we're not going to go down the street just praising God although I do go around uh, Hobby Lobby praising because they play in that praise music and I find myself singing right along with them you know but that's okay but become a praiser and practice it do it at home and you'll find that it will become such a part of your life that all of a sudden you could hear the voice of God when I say hear it. He will share things with you that thoughts that you'd never have, you know. He will give you wisdom in, in situations. Get in his presence and then listen to what he has to say to you. Amen.
Okay, you can stand. Well, I don't know if we're going any further with this. I know we, we probably need to cover some of those ways. We have covered some of them, but we'll see what we're going to do next week if he says, continue on, Bonnie, you know. But to get that history of the background of the ark having the presence of God in it and leaving his presence somewhere, realize, am, am I leaving God's presence out of my life by not praising and worshiping him? You know? So start at home, girls. I love y'all, and, and I hope you receive this with no condemnation, but instruction. The Bible says it is for instruction and correction. And he has corrected me about many different things. And I welcome the correction when it comes from him because I know it's for my good. Amen. I welcome the instruction he gives me because I know it's for my good. As long as it's from him, then it'll be good for us. Well, Father, I bring your children, oh, your handmaidens, as you would call them in the word of God, they're so special to you. That makes them special to me. Father, I thank you that the love of God is shed abroad in all of our hearts here today. And Father, I thank you that we are putting on the garment of praise. I ask the Holy Spirit, you are the revealer of truth for you to be active in all of our lives. Father, I'm not satisfied with what I do know. I want more revelation knowledge. I want you to teach me. And I want you to teach these ladies in their private life, Father God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're involved in all. And I thank you in your word, Father. You said that we have the petitions that we desire of you. And this is my petition. I want more. I want to know more so that we can teach it and we can share it. And we can usher in the miracles and everything that we, we need in this life here on this earth. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a super great day.